many are being blessed by the Transform series? Because I know, you know, that's the whole purpose of this series, to understand what God wants for us. You know, as Christians, we live our lives, but many times we're not living it to the fullest. So this Transform series is just a blessing because I pray and hope that everybody's getting that word and being transformed. Not just listening, not just listening to what is being said, but totally being transformed by what is being said and understanding it through the word of God, that God wants you to live in victory. Each and every one of us are supposed to be living in victory today. So I'm praying and hoping that that word is really filling your hearts this morning. And I mean, it'll fill your heart this morning, the word that I have for you. And I hope you have, note, you have pens and uh, in your bulletins, you have those note things and you're taking your notes um, and anything that you need to go home and then review, you know what, because it's going to be for your benefit and for your spiritual growth. Um, but it's a blessing to be here today speaking on relational health. Um, I'm going to try to give you guys as much as I can, but it's a lot of, and people who've done this know there's a lot of information to be given, so we're going to try to get in as much as we can this morning. Is that okay? All right, so um, we're going to be reading this morning. You can have a seat, and you can, I hope, I, I hope you have your Bibles with you today. Um, but today, I'm going to be speaking on facing the fears that ruin relationships. Um, and this is a very important topic because I don't think that, I think that most people go throughout their lives having some form of fear in some area of their lives. Um, is there anybody here who doesn't fear anything? Nobody, no, no hands? Okay, so we're going to be talking about that today. When speaking about fear, you know, I went and I Googled, you know, phobias. And I couldn't believe how many phobias there were. And how many of them sounded silly to me, you know, but to other people they're not. It was amazing. I'm just going to read a few of them. You might have heard a few of them, but you might not have heard of uh, some of them. Um, you know, there are so many. I realized when I Googled it, I never thought in my life that I would find a hundred of them. Um, I don't know if any of you knew that. There are a hundred, and, and, and the list is growing. Uh, and these are phobias that people really fears, you know, that people go through every day. But let me read a couple of them to you. Some of you know, know what arachnophobia is, and you know, um, acrophobia, the fear of heights, you know, agoraphobia, which is the fear of um, dog, I mean, the fear of open um, spaces, agoraphobia, people don't like to be in open spaces. Let me see if I can read these. Astrophobia, the fear of thunder and lightning, um, you have trypophobia, the fear of holes. The fear of holes, H-O-L-E-S. Yeah, the fear of holes, yeah. I've never heard of it. Has anybody heard of that before? Because I had never heard of it myself, but the fear of holes. I mean, you have the fear of germs, the fear of holes. You have uh, the, fear, the carcinophobia, which is the fear of cancer. Um, thanatophobia, the fear of death. You know, then you have glossophobia, which is the fear of speaking in public places. Of course, you guys know that I don't have that, that glossophobia <laughs> because I don't have fear of speaking in open, you know, in public places and, and the sort. Um, but there are people who really suffer from that. Aphenphobism phobia. That one is even, <laughs> that's the fear of intimacy. You know, and theophobia. Theophobia, the fear of God, 
and religion. Okay, now these are just a few. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on, and I was just amazed how much we are affected by fear um, as we're growing up and as we're, you know, living our lives, how much we are affected. But I'm going to be speaking today, and I hope you got your Bibles, from the beginning of Genesis, because we're going to go into Genesis, and we're going to be talking about where all of this came in and how it came in. So we're going to go, you know, at the time of the creation of Adam and Eve, God made everything perfect. How many of you agree with that? Everything was perfect, okay? We had no fears. We had nothing. Everything was perfect. But then you go to Genesis 1.31, and let's read that. And it says, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Because when God makes something, it is always very good. Then you go to Genesis 2.25. I'm going to be skipping through Genesis um, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not what? They were not ashamed. Now, when we talk about nakedness, most of the time we're looking at, you know, physical nakedness, but nakedness, there's other things to nakedness, you know, being open, being, you know, yourself as a person, okay? But we're going to be talking more about that. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Then, uh, then all of a sudden, temptation came in, and the fall of man began. This, in turn, changed life for all mankind to come. Let's go to Genesis 3, 8 through 11. And they heard the voice of, the, of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, from the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Right? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree where I have commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? And I'm going to pause right there, and we're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this word, Father, and for this serious in transformation, Lord God. I pray that this word will sit in the hearts of each and every person here, Father, that we can be healed, Father, this very day from all our fears, Lord God, that we will learn to walk in victory, learn to walk, Father, your word, Father. I thank you right now for each and every person here, Father, that this, heart will, this word will lay in their hearts right now, Father, that they will know that they are overcomers through Christ Jesus. And that they have nothing to fear, Father. For you are with them. You never leave us, nor do you forsake us, Father. So we thank you for this word this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So, and he said, I heard the voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. How many of you who have children or even pets notice that when they do something wrong, they tend to do what? They hide because they know what they've done is wrong. I had my, my dog Snoopy, when he would do something wrong, he always hid under the, you know, under the sofa. He would always run and hide under the sofa. But those of us who have children, when they're quiet and you don't hear them for a while, and they're, you know, and they're in hiding, what do we do? We go, we, as mothers, come on mothers, we go and check to see what they're doing because a lot of times when they're doing something that they're not supposed to be doing, they're in hiding or they're very quiet. I call this the proverbial hand in the cookie jar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You know, they have their hand in the cookie jar. Adam and Eve, that's what happened to them. It reminded me of that, just the hand in the cookie jar. So God comes and God says, where are you? And what are they doing? They're in hiding because they are afraid. At that moment, what happened? A lot of things happen when they disobey and they ate of the fruit. But I'm speaking on fear today. And let me tell you something. Not all fears are bad. We need to understand that today, that not all fears are bad, okay? But we're not talking about the good fears today. We're talking about the bad fear. Because it is the fears that we go through that keep us from a total relationship with God and with others. Okay? So we're going to be talking about that. So fear entered into, the, into man for the first time. And write this down. Fear causes us to do what? Number one, we tend to hide. First thing we do is we hide when we're in fear. When we know we've done something we shouldn't have done, we tend to hide. And that was one of the things that happened. Another thing we do when we're in fear, what do we do? We tend to blame shift. Okay? So now you did something wrong, but you tend to blame shift to others because you don't want to be the one taking the fall. So fear also causes us to blame shift. We begin to do what? We accuse others because we did something wrong, but then we accuse others and we try to say, well, it wasn't my fault. She made me do it or he made me do this. And, you know, how many of us tend to blame shift, especially kids, your children? When one of them does something wrong, what happens? They go, it wasn't me. It was my sister. She did it, you know. And they begin to blame shift and throw the blame on each other because they don't want to take the fall. We tend to also, when fear enters in, we tend to attack other people. How many of you know that? That we tend to attack other people. We tend to attack them and say, well, she did this, and so that's why I did this wrong thing, because this person did that, and I reacted and did this. So we can tend to also um, attack others. Um, then we're exposed. You know, we tend to be exposed. We're exposed and then we said, you know, oh my gosh, I did this. Now maybe we're just going to see. <laughs> so we fear the exposure. We fear, we fear the getting caught. We fear, oh my gosh, what is going to happen now when the boss finds out? Or what is going to happen when my wife finds out or my husband finds out? So we fear exposure. And then we become, after that, after fearing exposure, we become what? And this is very strong. We become defensive. We begin to become defensive. We begin to figure out a way how to come out of it by defending ourselves or by, you know, uh, trying to um, say, oh, well, this happened because she did this. And so you become defensive right away or you attack others because you're being defensive at the same time. How I many of you know, understand that today? Fear is a very, very, um, it's an emotion that's really very destructive. Let's put it that way. I find fear to be one of the worst destructive emotions that we can have. And today, again, we're talking about bad fear. We're not talking about any good fear, but we're talking about bad fear. It can be very, very destructive because you cannot succeed in anything if you have fears. You're only going to go but so far before you hit a roadblock. You, you're going you're gonna to go but so far, whether it's in your job, whether it's relationships in your job, whether it's with your husband, with the wife, with God. You're always going to end up hitting a roadblock sooner or later that you cannot penetrate because of the fears in your life. We have to understand that today. So they were, naked, they were afraid, that, uh, I mean, they were afraid of their nakedness, um, and they were afraid of being what? When you're afraid of your nakedness, you're afraid of being what? Vulnerable, because now... 
you know, and we're talking about physical nakedness. Yeah, they were naked physically. But remember, there's a different type of nakedness also, you know, being vulnerable, being open. That's a type of nakedness, just being forward. And so they were afraid now of being vulnerable. They could not be vulnerable anymore. That kind of blew to, blew to the wayside. There, were fear, there was a fear of, being o- of openness. Now they couldn't be open with God because they were in fear. Do you see how the relationship just twisted and changed immediately? There was no more openness between them and God. There was, they were vulnerable. They could not, they had no vulnerability, and they were just fearing God because they had done what? They had sinned, and they had done something that God had told, told them not to do, which was to eat of the fruit, not to eat of the fruit, rather. Then you're afraid of honesty. Then honesty, you can't be honest with your spouse. How many people have troubles in relationships just being honest one with the other? We go through a lot of low self-esteem and we have relational problems in the sense of, you know, being honest with other people. We'll, we'll be, sometimes we pick and choose who we want to be honest with. But sometimes other people that we don't want to be honest with them because we don't know how they're going to receive us. So we don't know how, if I tell them this, how are they going to perceive me? How are they going to see me as a person? Is it going to make me look bad? Is it going to make me look, you know, not like a good person? So we have honesty issues, and we hold back in relationships because we don't want to be completely open and completely honest and completely vulnerable with our spouses. We don't want to be that either with our friends or our family or our coworkers or whoever it is. So it damages relationships. You can never really be, you know, open and honest with somebody 100% because you have fears. Fears of how they're going to see you or perceive you as a person. Then you, um, then we are, how many of you are afraid of letting people in? There's people who are afraid of letting people, well, thank you for your honesty. You're letting people in. You know, they just don't want to let people in because they're not sure. They have fears and trepidation. How am I going to let this person into my life? Should I let them into my life? Is it going to be bad for me, good for me? So there's a lot of fears that go along with that. So they have fear of, you know, letting people see who they truly are, you know. They may pick one person in their lives who they choose to allow to see who they truly are, but most of the time they don't want to let people see who they truly are. Um, Some of the things that fear breeds, and I wanted you to write this today, Fear breeds other negative emotions. When you have fear, it starts to breed other type of negative emotions. Um, One of them is anxiety. Anxiety and fear go hand in hand, you know. You begin to have what? You begin to feel like, oh, I don't want to be next in that that church, or I don't want to be here, or I don't want to be there. I can't, you know, you start having anxiety issues, breathing issues, things of that nature. Um, Worry. It breeds worry. And what does the Bible say about worry? Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Who of you, by worrying one iota, can change his or her status? But yet we begin to worry because fear brings in worry. And to me, when you worry, then you don't have trust in God. Is the answer, that, that's the way I look at it. When you're worrying, your trust is not in God, is in the circumstances, is in the situation. You're, you're, you overlook God, and you're worrying about things that you cannot change. I learned that a long time ago. I cannot worry about things I cannot change. I'm not God. I wish I could change it. I wish I could snap my fingers and go, okay, let me change this. Let me change that. But we're not God, so we can't change it. But either which way, we just worry. 
Um, and that's some of the things that fear tends to breed. It also breeds nervousness. You get nervous. You become nervous. You know, when a situation is not going, you know, oh, my gosh, you, oh, oh, you know, am I going to get this job? Am I going to get the promotion? Am I going to get, you know, and, and, and the, that fear comes in, you know, did I do a good interview? Or, did the, or was the guy behind me better than me? You know, and it starts to, fe- you know, breed, you know, fears in you or, or nervousness. And is it going to happen? You know, you want it to happen, but you don't, you know, you're st- so nervous about it because you're not really saying, God, I know I got this in Jesus' name. Because you give me, you've given me the grace to get it. You've given me the, the, the ability to get it, the smarts to get it. You know, God equips you with everything you need, but still we become nervous because we're not trusting in God 100% for that promotion. And then sometimes compulsive behaviors come into play. You know, fear can also breed compulsive behaviors. And some of you know some of the compulsive behaviors maybe that you have, you know, um, how many of you have compulsive behavior here? Yeah, you know, <laughs> there are different types of compulsive behaviors, you know. Um, there's, they call it OCD, you know, uh, you know, and all kinds of stuff. Um, so I think some people, I think a lot of people have OCD, you know. But um, some have it worse than others. I think <laughs> some have it worse than others. But we begin to have compulsive behaviors because of our fears. We become compulsive. Um, and then we have, what's the last one? It's panic attacks. How many of you ever have panic attacks? Thank you for all your honesty there. Panic attacks. It's, it's awful. It's horrible. Because you start panicking, and for every person it's different, you know. But some people, when they have panic attacks, they feel like they're about to die. They can't breathe. They're going through, oh, my gosh, I can't breathe. I'm dying. And the panic attacks come in. And then the fear of death, the heart is racing. Um, you're sweating, your palms are sweaty. Um, how many of you seen a person go through a panic attack? I've seen it happen to people. They go through the panic attacks, and then I have to give them, you know, here a bag. Here's the bag. You know, here we are, breathe in the bag. Or, you know, you try to do, but you really, it's true symptoms, real symptoms that come upon your body, and they're really mental. They come from a base of fear. There really is a really a mental situation. Um, when I was looking it up, it says it has to do with a mental disorder because you're not, it's, it's a mental thing. It's not really a physical thing. In other words, your, heart is, your, your, your mind will make your heart race. Look how powerful it is. Your mind will begin to make your heart race and you begin to feel symptoms that are not really there, but you're feeling them because your mind is creating them. And that comes from a base of fear. That's how powerful fear is. So then let's go, you know, I'm going to talk about shame now. How about shame? Shame is something that is very also powerful, you know, when we sin or when we do something wrong, when we know we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, we can sometimes have shame to to the point where it destroys our relationships. It will destroy your relationship with God. It will destroy your relationship with each other. Um, So I'm going to talk about shame. Shame is a painful emotion from an awareness of being inadequate or guilty. How many of you know that? Fear is often based in shame also. So like I said before, when you carry shame, what happens? What are some of the results of shame? You feel embarrassment. You begin to feel it because when you have shame, if you did something wrong or if you're in sin and you feel the shame of that, you, be, you begin to be embarrassed. Why? Because you don't want people to find out what you've been up to. And that's what happened with Adam and Eve. They were embarrassed. Think about it for a second because they ran and they did what? They hid 
They were embarrassed. So shame, the shame came in, and then it bred embarrassment. I'm embarrassed. Let me go hide because I'm naked now. So they went and they hid. It also breeds guilt. You know, like we said before, they felt guilty. They said, oh, my gosh, we just did a terrible thing. We just did exactly what God told us not to do, and they felt guilty. The, 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 um, the uh, emotion of guilt came in, and they wanted to just, oh, my gosh, what do we do now? How many of you have been in a situation where something happens or you do something, and then you're realizing, oh, gosh, what do I do now? How do I try to fix this now? How am I going to walk this through? How am I going to talk this through? And you feel guilt, and you go through that, that feeling of guilt. Um, then what happens? Phase two, the cover-up. What happens when you go through the embarrassment, the guilt, the shame, all of that? Then you begin to cover up. You try to cover up what you've done. And that goes to... Um, Adam and Eve, what did they do? They, they went and they sold what? Or they, what does the Bible say? The fig leaves to cover their shame, to cover themselves up. Um, to cover up means to conceal, to hide from view or knowledge. That's what, that, well, that's what it means, to conceal, to hide from view or from knowledge. And that's what they were trying to do. When they hid and they covered themselves up with the fig leaves, they were covering up, they were concealing what they had done, concealing themselves from view or God's knowledge. Like if God didn't know. You know? Oh, yeah, God didn't know this. And that's what happens to many people. We're trying to hide things thinking that God doesn't know. Does that make sense? Because I notice people saying, oh, no, I can't talk to God. I said, well, God already knows. So you can't talk to God about this thing that you've done. You can't talk to God about what happened. But guess what? God already knows. But we still try to conceal it. You may be able to conceal and hide from man. That you can work on, you know, but you cannot conceal or hide anything from God Almighty because he already knows what's going on. There's not a hole too deep that you can dig. There's not a rock that you can crawl under that God can't find you and knows what you're up to. So it's amazing to me how we are not open with God. Even in our relationship with him, we're not completely open. We're not vulnerable because in our finite minds, we're thinking, yeah, I can hide this for God for a while. And we can't. And that's what happens when, you know, fear comes in. The fear came in. Let me hide it. Let me not say anything. Let me conceal it. Let me cover it up. Let me do whatever I can so that I am not exposed. And it's all about fear. And then um, I'm going to read Genesis 3-7. So they sold the fig leaves, we talked about that, together to cover up themselves. If, and if you've ever seen fig leaves, they're not big. Okay? They're not big. They're small. So if you're sowing fig leaves, some people will need a whole stack of them. It'll take, <laughs> it'll take a lot more than just two or three, you know, to cover yourself up. You know what I mean? So... We have to understand that, that the fig leaves are not all that big. 
What, <laughs> what happens when we feel ashamed? Let's go to what happens when we feel ashamed, right? We said it before. We tend to cover up who we are from the beginning of our relationships. When we feel ashamed, we cover up who we really are from the beginning of our relationships. Number two, we have issues just being who we are for the fear that the other people will not like us. How many of you have met people and you, you're not completely vulnerable with them because you feel that they may not like you or they may not like something you've done or something you said? Thank you for your honesty back there. And then one of the things we tend to do, and I love this one, is we conceal our true selves through dating sites and social media. This is really good because how many of you know, notice that in dating sites, people are three inches taller than they really are? <laughs> or if somebody weighs 200 pounds, suddenly they're only 160 pounds. You know? Or if somebody um, doesn't have hair, suddenly they have hair. You know what I mean? And we, 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 can, we conceal ourselves, and being bald is not a bad thing because there's some men in here who are bald, and you, but guys, you look great, by the way. You know? And I was a, um, I was, I was a fan of Yul Brenner. How many of you know Yul Brenner, that actor? Years ago, I thought he was, he was a great-looking bald guy. You know, I mean, and that was my opinion, you know? So there's nothing wrong with being bald. And, and, and I thank you guys who are bald because you're just being yourselves. You see, you're not concealing yourselves. But I'm talking about those who do conceal themselves in social media, through chat rooms. You can do anything through those things because you can become a person you really aren't. You can become a person you really are not through the social media. Think about it. And that's why people love, love that kind of stuff because you become, who, you could become Superman and you could say, <laughs> you know, and say, I'm Superman, you know, I'm, I'm you know, oh yeah, I, I'm like Arnold, you know. I mean, you could conceal anything. And then what happens is when you finally do get the data and the person sees you, they go like, that's not, that's not what I signed up for. It looked like that in the picture. You know, that's not what I signed up for. And this is the wrong way to start a relationship. You're getting off on the wrong foot now. Come on, people. You're getting off on the wrong foot because this relationship is going to go awry very quickly. Why? Because you were not honest from the beginning. And then uh, uh, how many, in, in, even in dating sites, you know, yeah, uh, I make six figures when you only make 30000 a year. You know, and then the person finally says, what's going on here? And they realize, hey, you know, he, uh, he, the guy only makes 30000 and that's a deal breaker for some people. They'll go, that's a deal breaker. You lied to me. You're not honest. You weren't open. You didn't say the truth. Therefore, it's over. And that's the wrong way to start a relationship with any person. Then we begin speaking things about ourselves. How many, you know, we give ourselves a pat on the back. You know, we go like this, speaking things about ourselves that are not really true. We begin saying things to others in, in the relationship, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a great basketball player when we don't even know how to, we don't even know what a hoop is. <laughs> you know? We don't even know what a hoop is. You know? Yeah, and we pat ourselves in the back and we give ourselves a lot of credit, but most of it is untrue. Then phase three, we begin to get, we be, uh, phase three is distance from God. And this is really bad because when you're distant from God, you, like I said before, you cannot succeed. You will not succeed in everything you attempt to do if you are distant from God. It says here, they hid from God among the trees. 
this causes a disconnect from God, thus having relational problems with God. And we talked a little bit about that. The shame, all these things causes us to disconnect from God. And then we become, we fear, one of the fears that we have after we disconnect is what? Fear of disapproval. We begin to fear that, we, we, that we, we're not, a, a, God doesn't approve of us. Let's put it that way. That God doesn't approve of us. We fear disapproval. And disapproval makes us defensive. When you don't feel that somebody approves of you, it makes you kind of defensive. Um, so we begin doing what? We said this before. Um, we excuse ourselves and accuse others. And that's what happened in the garden. We begin to make excuses for ourselves because we don't want no one to disapprove of us. So we begin making excuses, okay, and then we begin to accuse others. How many of you ever seen people say, oh, um, I'm doing this, but it's not as bad as what she's doing? How many of you ever heard that? Because I've heard that plenty of times, even within the, the church, you know. Yeah, um, I'm doing this, my sin is this, but she's in a worse place than I am, you know. And, and so, <laughs> you know, we, we, we try to classify sin, you know, what's worse, what's better, what's worse, when the Bible doesn't, cla cla the classification of sin is sin, sin is sin, you know, there is no one, number one, this is worse, number two, this is worse, number three, there is no classification, sin is sin in the eyes of God, but in our eyes, come on, we look at it, and this is the truth, this is the truth of you, come on. Let's be, if you're real with yourself, you'll go, yes, it's true. In our eyes, we classify it. So we look at a person doing one thing, and we say, well, my thing is not as bad. You know. Well, you know, this one is a lot worse than that one, you know. And we classify, we justify what we are doing because we begin to say, you know, Oh, I'm a little bit better off, you know. And so we begin to excuse ourselves and accuse others. And as long as we see others doing things, we continue remaining in the place that we're at because we feel that we're not doing as bad. <clears throat> then we grow distant from God. We become defensive. We attack others to make ourselves feel better, of course, because when, a lot of times when you begin to attack others, it's to make yourself feel better. You begin to feel, I feel better if I can attack her or I can attack him who's in worse, who's doing worse, and so on and so forth. And a lot of these things are based in fear, 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 fear of disapproval, fear of not being approved of, fear of this, fear of that. And like I told you, I bet you some phobias, but there's a hundred of them so far, and the list is growing. Genesis 3.12. <clears throat> God asked, we're going to read this again. God asked, did you eat what I told you not to eat? Adam answered, you gave me this woman, and she gave me the fruit. Okay, so <laughs> here you see, <laughs> here you see, Again, what we talked about, which is he's accusing her now and attacking her to make himself look better. So he says, you gave me this woman. It wasn't my fault. And she gave me the fruit. What happened there was Adam was unwilling to accept responsibility 
for his actions. Bottom line, at the end of the day, he refused to accept responsibility. And many times we do not want to accept responsibility. How many of you work in an office? Sometimes. So sometimes, it's, you know, people, sometimes your, your copy machine goes out and people attempt to be mechanics all of a sudden. They become instant mechanics. You know, they open up the machine and they're trying to fix it. And then when the machine goes haywire and it gets worse and the supervisor comes by, we say, oh, I don't know what happened. The machine was like that when I got here. <laughs> so we begin to accuse the machine. It's the machine's fault. It's not my fault. The machine was already like that when I got here. Or my coworker, she was here before I was. Ask her what happened. So what happens is we begin to, we're accusing others. I mean, I mean we're all even accusing the poor machine, you know, which is an inanimate object, but we'll, we'll accuse whatever so that we won't look wrong. Why? Because there's a fear in us, a fear of reprisal, a fear that maybe your boss will tell you, well, you're going to have to pay for the damage. We don't want to do that. Or a fear of getting fired or a fear of looking bad before your boss or your coworker. So we fear those things. We fear how, is she going to be upset at me? We fear, is, is she going to tell me, okay, you're fired, or you have to pay for the damage, or whatever the case may be. So we blame whoever and whatever we can. Genesis 3.13, then he said, the snake tricked me into eating. So she was unwilling to accept responsibility for her part in all of this, for her actions. She was also unwilling to accept the response. Oh, the snake tricked me into eating. It was the snake's fault. Now we're blaming the snake. See what I mean? Next you blame the dog. You know? Oh, it was the spider that bit me. You ever saw that? <laughs> you know? And whatever, whatever happened, it's, it's always blame shifting. So Adam's blaming not only Eve, but who is he blaming? He's blaming God for God's choice. Because God gave him Eve, so he's blaming not only Eve, he's blaming at God himself, you know, the woman you gave me. See, it's your fault, God, because you gave me that woman. Had you not given me the woman, nothing would have happened. I would have been in good shape here. But you gave me that woman, just that woman, you know. And so it goes on and on and on. Eve blames the snake. So our fear of exposure makes us distance, and our fear of disapproval makes us defensive. That's what ends up happening. What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? They lost control. They lost control of everything. They didn't lose control of one thing. They lost control of everything. And fear of losing control for some people, some people don't know how to deal with it. They lost control. They lost control of their future, the future that God had mapped out for them. They lost control of that. They lost control of their destiny in God. And our fear of losing control makes us what? Sometimes when we fear losing control, we, become, we can tend to become demanding in relationships. In relationships, when you, feel, when, you feel, when you lose control or you feel you're losing control, you become a demanding person. You become demanding to your spouse, demanding with other people. We become what? We become bossy sometimes. We become demeaning to others. 
we become domineering. How many of you are domineering? Thank you for your, for your honesty. We need to pray and find out where that's coming from. We, <laughs> we need to, <laughs> I mean, I love this crowd because, I mean, we're, we're talking honesty today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me see if I can get points later on, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not here to get points. I'm here to tell the truth. <laughs> I'm here to, to say it like it is, whether we want to receive it or not, you know, because it's the truth anyhow. And it's for your benefit. It's for your growth. I'm not the type of person to, how we say, um, stroke you, you know, to make you feel better. But I'm going to tell you the truth, no matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it is, because I want to see you grow in God. Okay? I want to see you grow in God, but I also want to see you be successful in all your endeavors, everything you do, and that you have a tremendous, very close walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm not going to stroke you. I'm going to tell you the truth. We also become insecure. And let me tell you, the more insecure you are, the greater you have the need to get your way. When you are insecure, you have a need to get your way. I don't know, it's got to be, how many people say, heard that saying, it's got to be my way or the highway? That comes from insecurity. You're insecure. Because people who are secure don't care if they get their way or not. They really don't care because they're secure in who they are. They know who they are in Christ. So they partner with other people in their relationship. They don't care whether they get their way. My husband and I, we partner in our relationship. I give in sometimes, he gives in sometimes. We don't care if we get our way. The important thing is to maintain our relationship. That's what's important. Not whether I'm right or he's wrong or vice versa. We're not insecure. Thank God I'm not insecure that way. If I have to say I'm wrong, I'll apologize and vice versa. But in many relationships, our insecurity is destroying your relationships. Because you have to get your way. You're domineering. You're bossy. Plain and simple. So when we go through these things, we have to realize, you know, wait, where am I? And I, and I just thank God that some of you raise your hands when he says you have fears. But God, you know, how many of you know that God didn't give you a spirit of fear? We're going to talk about that. So what do we do about it? If you have insecurities, if you have fears today, and it's destroying your home, it's destroying your relationship, it's, it's, it's messing up in your job, you know, it's messing up your job opportunities or your... Is it, or a bad relationship with your coworkers. What do we do about that? What do we do about that? Because God wants you to live in your fullest. You know, he wants you to get everything you can get from him, you know. And that's not God. So what do we do to reverse that? What do we do to... What, what's the antidote to that? So, <laughs> phase four, we're going to talk about the antidote. How many of you know that the opposite of fear is love? A lot of people think that the opposite of fear is courage, uh, of courage, but it's not. The opposite of fear is love. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. You know, 
And the opposite of the opposite of fear is love. And look what it says here in 1 John 4:18. You should write this down, people. The first half of this verse says, "Wherever God's love is, there is no fear." Wherever God's love is, there is no fear. Because God's perfect love drives out all fear. I'm going to read that again because that's very powerful. And if you're living in fear today, you need to get this in your spirit, the scripture. It says, wherever God's love is, there is no fear because God's love drives out all fear. This is another version, different versions, but pretty much. Um, 2 Timothy 1.7, write that down. For God has not given us what? A spirit of fear, but of love power and a sound mind. And I want to let you know that when sin entered from the beginning, you know, and the Bible calls fear a spirit, the spirit of fear entered in at the same time. When they were afraid and they hid, that spirit of fear was what entered into their hearts. And there are many of us walking around today, and I'm talking about believers now. I'm not talking about just unbelievers. I'm talking about believers. There are many of us walking around today with a spirit of fear. And this spirit of fear has tormented you all your life, has vexed you. It has oppressed you. It walks with you. It talks to you. I mean, <laughs> because it, it, it does talk. And we're believers, yet we cannot, we're not overcomers. What's going on? Come on, people. We're believers, but we're not overcomers. And we can't overcome if we walk with a spirit of fear in us daily. Whatever it is, whatever phobia you're going through, whatever phobic, whatever, you know, God did not create you to have to walk with fear all your life. That's not, that was not God's perfect plan from the beginning. That plan got messed up. Yeah, it got messed up. But it was not God's perfect plan from the get. And it got messed up, but that doesn't mean that you have to remain messed up. That doesn't mean that you have to keep there. You have to stay there. You have to station yourself there. And let this thing dominate you. Let that spirit of fear dominate you. Take you over. You don't have to remain there. You can move out of that station. How many of you know you can change it? You can change it. You can move out of that. You don't have to. Listen, it's like turning the dial of a radio. Change the station already. You know what I'm talking about? Get out of that station already. It's not blessing you. It's not doing anything for you. It's just causing you to walk in defeat. We walk in defeat every day. Yeah, we say we trust God and we believe in God and we worship and we praise him, but we're walking in defeat. That was not God's intention for you. That's the enemy's intention for you. And we continue to walk there and we park there and we like it. Sometimes we even like it there. Because we're comfortable there. 
we're comfortable there. We don't want to move. So you set, spend your life, and I'm telling you, you could be a Christian, spend your entire life as a Christian, and when God comes, go home to be with the Lord. But you know, you never fulfilled your total potential. And what God had planned for you from the start was never 100% fulfilled because you allow fear to dictate to you. Praise him. Hallelujah. And I know this is not what you want to hear, but it's God's word anyway. It's God's word anyway because we got to move. You got to move today from where you're at. Don't live your life stagnant to the same place over and over again. It's time to get up and it's time to overcome that spirit of fear in your life. So that you can succeed and move forward in him in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Write this down. One of the things you need to do to overcome that spirit of fear is you need to live in God's love. Learn how to live in his love. Okay, because God's perfect love does what? Okay. So we need to live in God's love. That's the antidote today. Live in God's love. When you let fear, some people say when you let fear in the front door of your house, Love goes out the back door. You let fear come in the front door of your house, okay, fear is here, and we welcome it, because sometimes we can tend to welcome these things. We welcome it, and then love goes out the back door. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. That we need to bear all things. Tells us we need to bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. We need to bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. Love never stops being what? You know that verse? Love never stops being patient. Love never stops believing. Right? Love never stops hoping. Love never gives up. God's love never gives up. God doesn't give up on you, people. We give up on ourselves. We give up on our loved ones. We give up on other people, but God never gives up on us. Sometimes we begin to pray for things, and I, I thank um, uh, Sister Gislang for her testimony, you know, how she's reading the word now, and, you know, and that's part of your healing process, Okay? And she's reading the word, and she's seeing changes. And so she's starting to walk. As you read the word, you know, you start to walk in faith. The problem is that many of us go through our Christian lives barely picking up the word of God. Man, I'm being real today. I'm being real, people. I was talking to somebody the other day. They were telling me some things, and they were telling me, oh, I'm going through this, oh, I'm going through that, I'm going, oh, yes, and I'm going through this, and I'm going through, and I'm listening, I'm just nodding my head and going, okay, you're going through this, you're going through that, I get it. I says, okay, so uh, when do you have time for God? Um, when was the last time you prayed? When was the last time you read God's word? 
Um, the person was honest enough to say they only pray when they feel they have a problem. You know. Yeah. When they feel they have a problem. So it's very sporadic. Some people go their Christian lives, don't really have a prayer life. Come on, I'm saying the truth now. Be truthful with yourself today, let me tell you. If you want to change, if you want transformation, you need to be truthful with yourself today. Okay? So we don't pick up the word, we're not praying, yet we're expecting to walk in victory. When we don't understand that, when you read the word of God, it's like, and what she was, it was Sister Ghislaine was saying, reading the word of God has caused her faith to come up, to arise. Prayer draws you to God. Come on, people of God. Prayer begins to draw you to God, not away from God, but to God. And then I'm going to tell you, you will stand in victory no matter what you're going through in your life. You will be able to stand in faith and know that you know that God is in control and God is getting ready to change some things in your life. I refuse to stand and let a spirit of fear guide me and walk with me and talk to me and this and that. I refuse. You got to refuse that today. Come on. Refuse that today. Throw it. Get rid of it. Kick it out of your home. Get rid of it. Get it out of your house. Tell it it's not welcome in your home. The only spirit that should be welcoming you is the spirit of God Almighty. Get rid of it. It's destroying your life. And if you let it, it will destroy you. Oh, hallelujah. First Corinthians, well, we spoke First Corinthians. Um, um, so when we say love never stops being patient, when we say love is what? Love never stops believing, it never stops hoping, it never gives up. We mean that God's love extends grace. Okay. God's love extends grace. This is what real, true love is. This is how God loves you. How many of you know that? This is how God loves you. God never stops being patient with you. He never stops believing in you. We can stop believing in others and we, in, in our children and our spouses. And our, but God never stops being patient with us no matter how much sin we commit. How many of you don't know that today? No matter how much you mess up, God still has patience and he's still waiting for you to come to him and to repent and to get it right. He never stops believing in you. He never stops hoping for the best in your life. God never gives up on you. How many of you know that? God never gives up on you. And you know what? That's what God expects you and I to do for everyone else. That kind of love where it's patient, it's kind, it hopes for the best. That's true love. How many of you know that a father or mother, okay, who has a child and the child goes out into the street and a car is coming? How many fathers or mothers would throw themselves in front of that? Okay, how many of you? In front of that vehicle 
to keep your child from being slammed with a car and possibly killed. How many parents would do that in a heartbeat? I mean, how many times have you, have you seen that in the news, that parents, they go and they throw themselves in front of a moving car or some kind of object to protect their child, to protect, you know. Wow, that's powerful love. You know why? You know why they do that? Because fear is overcome by love. That's why they do that. Fear is overcome by, because you're not going to tell me that you're going to go out the door now and get in front of a car. <laughs> true? Is this true or not? You're not going to say to me, yeah, I'm going to go out in the front and get in front of a car because I, I fear nothing. You know, No, you're not going to do that because we have something called self-preservation. That was built into us. You know, self-preservation, you want to preserve yourself. Okay. So you do have, those are the good fears. Don't be dumb. Don't go out in front of a speeding car. You know, that's a good fear to have. You know, a car's going to slam me. It's going to break every bone in my body and possibly kill me. You know, that's a good fear to have. Don't get out in front of a, a, a speeding car, you know. But yet you do it if your child runs out into the street. In a heartbeat. You don't even think about it twice. Because fear is overcome by love. Write that down. Fear is overcome by Love. Fear, the kind that the enemy brought in in the Garden of Eden, is overcome by God's awesome love. And we, we have nothing to fear. Love is greater than fear. Sometimes it is the thought of punishment or negative consequences that makes a person fearful. And that's what happened with Adam and Eve. The, they had the thought of negative consequences, punishment, and that brought in fear. So in order to live in God's love, do these three things. Every day, surrender. That's number one. Every day, surrender. Every day, surrender your heart to God. Last week, Minister Mickey spoke on the emotions, on emotional healing, I believe. Um... And I remember she said that the heart is the symbol of the center of your emotions. The heart is the center of your emotions. So what should you do every morning? Let me give you some ideas. Every morning when you get up, you should say, Lord, I surrender the center of my emotions to you. Start by saying that. Lord, I surrender the center. Okay? You need to give your emotions to God, people. We really do. We really need to surrender our emotions to God. I want, and then ask the Lord to be um, the Lord of your feelings. Because we live a lot too much by our feelings. We feel good today, bad tomorrow. Listen, whatever the day brings, live in God. Ask God to take over your feelings. Ask him to be the Lord of your emotions. Lord over your emotions. Ask him to control your mind. Because the mind is a very powerful, people don't realize what the mind does. And we talked a little bit about the panic attacks and how you have symptoms that are not really there. But the mind is very powerful. So you have to give your mind to God every day. Say, Father, take my mind. That every thought, because as soon as the fear comes in, you have to pray. That's not, that doesn't come from God. You've got to realize that that comes from the enemy and say, that doesn't come from God. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Father, take over my minds right now in Jesus' name. 
Take it over, Father, right now. Take over my emotions. Take over my mind. And then every day remember. Every day remember to pray and work on your relationship with God. You got to remember every day to pray and work on your relationship with God. Like I said, people, the key is prayer. The key is reading God's word. Once you do that, you're going to walk in victory the rest of your life. And it doesn't matter what's happening around you. The building could be falling down right now, and you'll be in peace. Because then God grants you that peace that surpasses all understanding, that peace that you don't know why you're in peace, and you shouldn't be in peace, but you're in peace. You know why? Because you're walking in God's word, and you're a woman and a man of prayer, and your trust is not in your circumstances. It was going on around you. Your trust is in God Almighty who created you, who wants the best for you, who mapped out a life for you that you're still not living today. The closer you get to God, the more love will fill your heart. I'm I'm, going to tell you that. You know, if you're impatient, you're going to become patient. I'm telling you. If you're impatient with others, you'll become patient because the more you walk with God, the more his love fills your heart. I'm talking from experience here now, people. Because I was not patient with a lot of people. But God has been, I've been working with that, and God's been working with me. And that comes from prayer, that comes from other things. I'm going to read to you Job. And write this scripture down, because I think this scripture is going to bless you guys, because it blessed me. Job 11, 13 through 18. is a verse you might want to memorize sometime, but write it down. Go home, listen to it, or read it, reread it, whatever you want to do. It says, surrender your heart to God. Turn to him in prayer and give up your sins. Even those you do in secret. Give up your sins, even those you do in secret. It goes on to say, then, and notice the benefits you'll get from this. Then you won't be ashamed. Okay, give up your sins and even those you do in secret, then you will not be ashamed. You won't be ashamed. You will be confident and fearless. Your troubles will go away like water. Look at that. Beneath a bridge. And your darkest night will be brighter than noon. You, then you'll rest safe and secure, filled with hope and emptied of worry. Okay? You will live your life secure. How many of you want to live empty of worry? Everybody's hands should be up. I feel sad for you. Every hands should have gone up. Let me just give you real quickly four things that God thinks about you and write these down. Four things. We only got two minutes left. Okay, four things that God thinks about you. Number one, I'm completely accepted. Say that to your, to your neighbor. I'm completely accepted. Isaiah 54.10 says, My love for you will never end, says the Lord. You are completely accepted. His love for you will never end. Number two, I'm unconditionally loved. And love endures the worst. It never gives up. You can throw everything at me, but I'm still going to keep on loving you. That's what you'll tell the person. Love endures the worst. 
Number three is I'm considered extremely valuable. Oh, that's a good one. You know, you're very valuable in the eyes of God. We need to understand that. Luke 12:7. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. How many of you know that? Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. And then it goes to say, fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Ye are of more value than many sparrows. God sees you as a valuable thing in his eyes, a valuable person in his eyes, more than anything he ever created. Who are we that God continues to contend with man except that he loves us so much and that we are special to him? Hallelujah. Number four is I'm totally forgiven. 1 Corinthians 6.20 You've been bought with a price and paid for by Christ's death. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High. I mean, you can't get better than that. This is the way God sees you. This is the way God sees me. This is the way God sees our children, our grandchildren. This is the way God loves us so much. That his idea for us was to walk in victory all the days of our lives. Just because Adam and Eve messed up, remember, doesn't mean we have to live the way other people live. We don't have to live. We, yeah, we messed up, but we can change things. We can change things through a relationship, a true relationship with God, through the word of God and through prayer. We can change what is going on in our lives. What is going on in our relationships? What is going on in, the, in, in, anything, in anything in your life? With your children, with your mother, with your father. We can change those things in Jesus' name. 